first time you die, you grieve, and you really do grieve, and it hits you hard, it hits you lightning hard, and so you transition from a previous world based on duality, based on the ego, and you shift into a broader world based on itself pretty much your universe revolves around the universe it's no longer centered on your own individual personal self but then this funny thing happens you go increasingly to more and more inclusive more and more inclusive stages of consciousness that you get to absolute or fundamental consciousness and then you completely go off the map (laughs) unless you're using my map which I had to make over many years and then you go into the territory of spirit and the same thing goes on but it gets increasingly more alien weirder and weirder and weirder still and as you're getting quite comfortable in this world of weirdness and you're very expanded and you're quite quite enlightened you get this second shift the second reality shift now surprisingly you were somehow prepared for the second reality shift you were prepared by the first but it still hits you just as hard, maybe even harder, because before, you weren't really sure what reality was before the first reality shift, but then the shift happened, and the first initiation, which is the first shift, and you found out what reality truly, ultimately, fundamentally is. You have discovered the truth of the way of things. You have entered, dove in headfirst into the Tao, and you're now swimming in it. And you're going and going, and the great way is pretty much not difficult for one who's without preferences so very quickly your preferences go out the window and you're like thank you Seng Chan it was very nice (laughs) it was very nice of you to tell us venerable Seng Chan that we don't need our preferences so you throw it all out and you continue and continue and it comes that second reality shift now the second reality shift it does this thing that Terence McKenna described happens on DMT but this time you're not hallucinating it's like the previous reality okay this is what it's like this is how it happened for me I went into meditation, my usual daily meditation at around midday, went down, did my shikantanza and everything, and I had this thought arise in my head, it's like, yeah, I think I'm going to die, so I made the intention to die, and I'm like, okay, I'm accepting this death, and I lay down. 
I don't remember anything spectacular happening in that session. It was the most ordinary of ordinary Shikantaza sessions that you can ever get. So ordinary, so plain. And the next thing that happened when I got up from it is... is that I carried on in what seemed to be a normal way. But there is this delayed effect as you exit out of meditation where the sort of compounded effects of the meditation finally just rush all the way and flow into your body, kind of the way you have a runner's high. Like the buzz after doing any kind of a drug. You do the drug first and you sort of finish doing the drug. And then afterwards, everything really starts climbing and you reach the peak. And so by the time I reach the peak from this particular meditation, what happened was a sudden realization that, wait a minute, I've died. <laughs> it's like you're pretty fundamentally certain that you have definitely, definitely 100% died, right? And you're also certain that there is no way of going back. But the sense of death is coupled with a sense that there's been now a fundamental line drawn in realities. There was the time before you did the reality shift, and there's now the time afterwards. And before the reality shift, that reality is now gone. And who you were in that reality is also now gone. Like, fundamentally gone. Like, there's no hope of ever retrieving these things. So you grieve, but the grieving is much, much shorter. You're just mostly appalled (laughs) and astonished at what has happened. Because now you're fully in a new reality. Of course, everything looks to the eye to be exactly the same. But no matter how much you try, you cannot convince yourself that it's the same reality. <laughs> you, not from a lack of trying, I can't convince myself. But you just can't. Everything says... Okay, we went from one reality to a completely different reality. And so all the conditioning and assumptions and all the stuff that went with the previous reality now very quickly falls away in a deconditioning process. And then also with that process is a re-socialization process where you basically recondition yourself in a way that is more suitable to the new reality and the new you.
So yeah, what's peculiar about there being a second reality shift or a second enlightenment, if you want to call it that, is that there's most likely many, many, many more. (laughs) And this is what's exciting me about my research at the moment into the spirit is that through my very scientific approach, although it's omnism, is my paradigm, which is very different from the usual science. It's in line with the complexity sciences, not so much the Newtonian paradigm. But yeah, the thing is, if there are more of these, and I'm not sure what pattern they're occurring. They occur every, let's see. Yeah, 16 relationship types, right? Relationship types, the relationships are your relationship to reality and the types, each type has four relationships to reality and so you have relationship types like that. So 16 relationship types would be 16 times four, right? And 16 times four is lucky number 64. And that fits the Yichin. The number of the hexagrams of the I Ching are also 64. I think the DNA couplets are also 64, if I remember correctly. But there are parallels like that, and McKenna's time wave zero also uses 64 units of time, and so on. So lucky number 64 is very, very interesting. And the idea that one initiation occurs every 16 relationship changes or stage transformations, then every 16, wait, every 64 stages of spiritual development then basically you are most likely dealing with pretty much different realities in a very significant sense. Already two relationship types, if you separate them, are very distinct experiences of reality, very distinct relationships to reality. So consider now the difference between 64 (laughs) different types. You're talking about things that are so fundamentally different that it's just impossible to actually. They're very, (laughs) they're not incommensurable. That's sort of redundant in terms or sort of self-contradictory to say that but they're so distinct from one another 
that actually talking to each other from these very different places is increasingly difficult although it's useful although there are ways to use be like well you see from one relationship to another there's basically a change in your expansiveness of your consciousness okay expansiveness of your consciousness well it increases in larger and larger portions over each relationship so it's increasingly vaster increasingly more expansive increasingly expansive it includes the whole cosmos it goes beyond the cosmos it includes every single possible cosmos that could ever possibly exist ever has existed ever will exist is currently existing <laughs> and ever won't exist as well all of it <laughs> everything it encompasses everything and then even Eventually, it stops making any kind of a boundary whatsoever, and it dissolves and becomes one with everything, and it just is everything. There's no way to draw a boundary around it. It's the old Sunday school song about God's love. It's so wide, you can't go around it. It's so low, you can't get under it. <laughs> It's so high, you can't go above it. It is literally the above. It is literally whiteness itself. It is literally, it is literally belowness itself. <laughs> There is nothing other than it, and it is everything as it is. And so, yeah, these reality shifts are very interesting because they show their they show the potential of. something even more powerful than them something greater than a reality shift something that is altogether mysterious and is unlikely to be found in any extant spiritual text at least that's what I think unless there's some kind of a weird connection between something like getting so enlightened you basically just become a deity pretty much <laughs> maybe there's something more individually or uniquely meaningful that can be described in quite plain contemporaries contemporary spiritual and scientific terms that is not reductionistic to some kind of psychological psychological stage of consciousness of some kind maybe there is something there where you just become a god and it actually means something that is distinct from 
soma, psyche, and spirit. And that kind of a shift is possible because we had already these three distinct classes. So the fourth class of phenomena, just called divine phenomena, is a possibility. And if we have this fourth class of divine phenomena, its nature and its models and its study would require something altogether different from our current methods. Our current, well, its model would be altogether different from our current models of the body, models of the mind, models of the spirit. It would require something else. Because besides extensive definitions of the qualities of God and the various counting of the nose hairs of God, there's likely some specific and distinct phenomena being described by the term God that doesn't immediately equate to just everything. There is something clearly distinct and individual that we can talk about and say that X is A, and because X is A, X is a God. And that's how you know there's this quality of Anus, <laughs> this quality of divinity, which people also have, which everything has. And because everything can have this quality, there's some divinity in everything. The same way everything has a body of some kind, everything has a mind of some kind, everything has a spirit of some kind, so everything would also have a divinity of some kind. Although I have encountered something I've called divinity, it seems upon review of my previous experience journals and models is that that divinity is just one of yeah it's one of the earlier stages one of the middle early to middle stages of spiritual development one of the earlier ones and sort of making it not really anything divine in any sense but something quite quite spiritual so if we attempt to define divinity as a fourth class of phenomenon we would need an experience that shows us like all basic demonstration that there is that there is a fourth thing, right? You can move your physical hand, you can visualize your hand moving, you can move parts of your spirit as well and experience motion the same way when you have, when you visualize motion and you experience psychological motion, 
missing when you have physical motion. So that way you have to have some kind of divine motion that you can very quickly and easily find.